Iowa landowners are fighting for their land and their livelihoods. They're waking up to the nightmarish reality of Agenda 2030, the globalist scheme that uses climate change as a ruse to disregard private property rights and do away with freedom altogether. In Iowa and neighboring states, including Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Nebraska, a carbon capture pipeline scheme threatens to run roughshod through private property. And citizens in its path who don't want that monstrosity near their homes are finding out they may have no choice. Furthermore, thousands of acres of prime grade A fertile private farmland are at stake here, threatening to worsen an already grim agricultural forecast. Private companies, fueled in part by federal tax credits, your money, are working toward building underground pipelines to transport captured and pressurized carbon dioxide to specific locations where it will be buried underground. Now, don't linger too long on the conceptual absurdity of this because time's ticking and Iowans have been receiving notices asking that they grant easements or face imminent domain if they don't play along. In response, many have packed town hall meetings to tell their elected officials to stop the pipeline. They've reached out to the Iowa Utilities Board and told board members not to grant permission for this project. Their outrage has even made headlines. But is anyone listening? I'm Paul Dragu, and in this Freedom is the Cure episode, I'll be talking to Iowans who are organizing against the carbon capture pipeline scheme and waking up to the reality of Agenda 2030. But before we dive in, please remember to subscribe to our social media channels, like this video, and share it. And don't forget to follow our Freedom is the Cure podcast, available on most major podcast platforms. Today I'm joined by Tammy Kopsa, a regional field coordinator for the John Birch Society out of Iowa, and Todd Hocrafer, a doctor from Clear Lake, Iowa. Tammy and Todd, thank you so much for joining me today. You're yeah, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, so Tammy, here. I wanted to see if there was anything that I left out out of my introduction there as far as what this carbon capture pipeline is uh, that maybe people will help people get a better understanding. We know who the globalists are who are trying to impact our world towards a new world government. So when I saw this carbon capture pipeline coming last year, I knew right away it was Agenda 2030 mm -hmm. uh, orchestrated by the United Nations. And the players behind it are trying to get rid of our private property. That's all part of it. Um, and also do depopulation control our food, control every aspect of our lives. And if there is a way to get rid of food production, it is to come through the rich yeah. fields of Iowa. <laughs> can, can, and, you um, can you explain what the, the private companies that they're going through that are, uh, can you kind of get some details on these companies who are working on the ground there? Yes, there's three of them so far. Uh, Navigator, which is affiliated with BlackRock, Vanguard. Yeah. Um, Larry Fink sits on is the CEO he, and he sits on the board of the World Economic Forum. Then there's Summit Industries, and that is um, affiliated with uh, our former governor, Terry Branstad, but Bruce Rastetter in Iowan is um, also involved with that. And then there's Wolf, and that's with Archer Daniel Midlands. And basically what's happening is they are funded by uh, BlackRock. Uh, Navigator has admitted that. And um, then the summit industries is probably getting information or tax money from the infrastructure bill, 
where um, the government wants to implement Agenda 2030 through this Green New Deal, which is um, another term for communism, as we know. But um, they're getting tax money, and so they're approaching these farmers, can, trying to convince them that they need to get rid of this pollutant, which is CO2, which it is not. And so they are trying to um, get easements on their land to run a pipeline through thousands of miles of Iowa yeah. farmland. Well, doctor, let me get to Dr. Paul Crafer here. You were one of the ones of one of the many who received a letter uh, asking for is it, is it easement or are they asking to buy your property? What is this uh, letter you received and what is it asking for and when uh, did you receive it? So essentially what happened was they uh, sent out registered mail to through the post office um, from Summit. You had to sign it. That's your acknowledgement of receiving it. And what they were stating is that um, they were going to run a pipeline through your your specific area of your, your property. And it wasn't a choice. It was pretty much they said, this is what we're going to do. And there's the meeting about what we're going to do to your property. And so attending the meeting which many of the community members did and there's been several of the uh the informational meetings i think that was mandated by the iub that they had to uh, uh conduct these meetings in order to be be uh given their permits that they need to do this project and essentially we showed up with uh several hundred other community members within the same situation and what essentially is what they did is they said we're trying to do this project that's going to benefit you directly and so their major selling point was that they were going to sell carbon friendly ethanol to a california market which was the first one they said the potential for other markets but they were going to promise a premium which is crazy they can't promise a premium on commodity prices there's no way that they can do that and so their major selling point to get the people to sign their easements were the fact that it was going to benefit you directly. And in the area, there's a lot of uses for the corn products. And, and one of the facts is that ethanol is one of the producers of uh, uh, corn usage in the area, but there's also a very large livestock in, uh, contingent there as well. And so through the informational meeting, they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to dig in your land. We're going to take a hundred foot easements. And uh, they essentially said, well, we're not going to threaten eminent domain, but eminent domain is on the table and they kept throwing it out there. And it How's wasn't necessary. Yeah, it was it was a it was essentially a threat. So they threatened eminent domain, and of course they had land agents right there at the meeting. Um, that they were trying to funnel you right to the land agents in order for you to sign up for their easements. And they they proceeded to after the meeting, um, for lack of better terms, harass. Um, it was essentially harassment uh, on a regular basis. That um, in which way? How offer, did they? How would they harass? Call, show up ma- to your door. Male phone call show up at the door. I mean, all of them, uh, huh? All, every one of them. Yes, they have used every tactic. Uh, multiple phone calls in one day. Um, appearances uh, to the house unannounced, unwelcomed. Um, also threats through. Uh, through the written word, through through the mail, uh, many times we received packages that were actual easement contracts, and then proceeded to have to sign. FedEx was one example that if the package was sent for, or rejected, or whatever, then they knew right away that you were going to receive this or, or or reject it. And within minutes, there was phone calls saying, "Why did you reject our 
our uh, proposal to you. You're not going to get a better deal. Um, you know, we don't want to use them in a domain, but that's a reality that, that we may have to do in order to make this project uh, feasible. And the fact that, uh, well, we know how to use your land better than five generations of farm farmers know how to use your land. And so we're going to take it for our own use and we're going to put a we're going to put a pipeline through there if you want it or not. So they essentially used mafia tactics to say, well, if you don't want your legs broken, you better sign up with us. But if you want your legs broken, we're going to break them and then we're going to do what we want regardless anyway. Do, do you and, have, I guess, a significant farm plot or they just it, it's just a piece um, of land that so they need? We, we, are, we are small, right? So th this is a secondary thing for me. My primary is healthcare. My family's primary is, has been agriculture since day one. Um, I'm a fifth generation to actually have the privilege to take care of this ground. Uh, 1878 is when the abstract said that we bought it from the railroad. Uh, and the previous generations obviously have made their living there and, and their lives there. Um, but when you look at the fact of where they're going to put it, they are going to bisect our farm. So it's not one little corner. It's not one little part. Mm. They are going to bisect it from corner to corner because it's a long stretch and it essentially comes out to three acres, but it, you're cutting it just like a sandwich from corner to corner. And so the ramifications of that are every one of the tile systems that's in place that have been in place for hundred years are going to be damaged and if not destroyed. And the fact that they're going to do this technique where they essentially strip the ground um, 50 feet wide on either side of the, of the pipeline placement dig it down to whatever depth that they want to dig it um, according to what they said they would negotiate with this, which is, which is garbage. They're going to do whatever they want. And um, then they're going to replace the soil over the top of it. This particular farm, our particular farm has been no-till for 25 years. And what the significance of that is, is that no plowshare or any sort of tillage tool beyond a field cultivator, which is essentially about a two to three inch penetration of the topsoil has been done to this farm. So it has not been dug up except for one tile line in the last 25 years. We have been successful at being conservationists of the ground, doing the best we can to steward the ground and doing our best to um, take care of the ground in a way that uh, is res responsible and respectful to the generations that was before us. And most importantly, to the generations coming after us to be stewards of the land. Yeah. And you're not a steward of the land if you're going to do this to the land. Like, this is not something we would choose to do. Like, this is not something we would ever sign up for and say, oh, let's put a pipeline through our ground that is very hazardous and has the potential to cause major, major damage if a rupture happens, which is, it's eminent. It's not likely it's not going to happen. But the fact that they are going to destroy the soil profile from, from top to bottom. So topsoil is absolutely imperative to remain the integrity of where it's at. So we've taken years and years and years to develop the profile of this topsoil. So it produces a, a, a product that is reasonable and, and, and valuable as far as uh, yeah. commodities go. So this would and, this and would essentially scar your entire land. Would it would it prohibit you from say farming if you want to do that in, in the future? So here's here's the problem. They say you can farm over the top of it, but if you look at the avenues that we have to farm, we're small. Like we are a small farm in in respects. There's 
multi-thousand acres farmers all around us and their equipment is much bigger granted our equipment isn't the smallest but it is not the largest equipment out there you have the weight of this equipment going across this pipeline and you guys are corn farmers buried. by the way corn uh it? corn corn and soybeans yes okay. corn and soybeans yeah and there is there is actually uh alfalfa in the field as well just because my parents are involved with uh they still have livestock that they are uh using the the hay for and so there is an alfalfa plot across there right where they want to cut as well but when, when you look at the terms of what it will do to the ground it's going to destroy the profile from mm -hmm. a nutritional standpoint it's going to destroy the profile from a drainage standpoint and there's drainage districts in iowa so iowa has this network of drainage tile that that you actually are responsible for so if you decide to put tile in your field there is a drainage district that you're assigned and you're a part of that it drains to. So for instance, ours drains into a drainage ditch not too far away, but we're at the top of this drainage district. So if it disrupts that drainage district, it's gonna affect everybody down the line. So wow. that's gonna affect our neighbors, it's gonna affect everybody else. And um, the biggest thing that we have to think about is that once that tile is damaged, it is not repairable. Like I don't care what they say about their ability to fix the tile i have been around egg drainage since i was a kid i ran a d9 cat when i was nine years old so the significance of that if you look up google a d9 caterpillar i was running those when i was nine years old on a uh egg drainage company that my uncle had owned and so i worked in this this industry when i was a child and being around it repairing tile um yeah. i obviously didn't choose it for a career but i did you know you, you have to be a maintenance of, of your ground. So I've repaired tile pretty much my whole life. I've been in seven, eight, 10 foot deep holes with water up to my waist trying to repair tile. Yeah. What will happen is if you do not repair this correctly, you will cause a sinkhole. So a sinkhole, the tile has suction on it. Water is a, um, creates a vacuum in this tile and it will pull the soil out from under, from the top down. So the tile, soil above it right above where the sink where this where this fracture in the tile could occur it will pull the soil down and so as that pulls that soil down it will pull everything down as long as there's something to pull and you can have a hole as big as a, a pickup yeah. truck you can have a hole as big as your leg depending on if you catch it or not but ultimately what it does is it takes the soil profile and sends it down the tile and it could plug the tile down the way. So, so it destroys, like you said, destroys the quality of the land. But like it no destroys question. the quality of the land. And yeah. um, now, from Tammy, is Doctor uh, is is Doctor Crafer the only landowner, or is he part of a minority of landowners who are saying no to this? Or uh, how? What's what's the uh, proportion there of those? Because Summit on their website is claiming that several hundred have already signed easements and and whatnot. What's the real story on the ground? That, that's not accurate. Um, I, Dr. Hochrafer is with the majority, I think, of farmers that are refusing this because they all understand soil science. They understand the agronomy of, you know, how crops are well, how they produce their crops and the impact of this. They've seen other lines come through um, also. Gas, is that correct? Dr. Hochreifer. Yeah, D Dakota Access was one that uh, has been kind of a hallmark for comparison. And the mistakes that were made with Dakota Access um, has left some farms rendered useless. Mm. 
Wow, wow. So, so they're, they're in the majority. I take it you've refused thus far to, to sell, doctor, uh, and uh, they keep pressuring you? Yeah, I won't quote what I've said <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, somebody will hold me to it. But, uh, yes, um, I, I take great pride in, yeah. in that farm. Uh, I, that, that is something that's been entrusted to me. My parents are still actively involved, but uh, they're 80 and 78. Um, my father has been on that farm since, since he was born. That's where yeah. he grew up. Um, and there's uh, been several life instances that have uh, allowed him or uh, give him the opportunity to come back to, to the farm and make sure he was a steward of the land yeah. and, and me as well. Um, it, it's something that uh, let me say Tammy and I have talked about. Um, if you attack that farm, you're attacking my heritage and oh, you are wow. attacking, you're attacking all the generations that came before me that ensured I could stand on that spot and be a steward of that farm. So uh, how so is this? So we, we've known that there's, there's a quite a bit of resistance and, and, you know, Dr. Holcrafer is obviously not the only one. And, and, you know, it sounds like it's true. People are opposed to this. What is this looking like as far as your elected officials, whether it be the commissioners or the utilities board, right? The Iowa utilities board, they're kind of, are they the ones who get to say yay or nay? What's that looking like there? There are some issues with that where we're trying to, you know, share that information that they are compromised, if you will. There's a conflict of interest there. Hopefully they'll do the right thing, but they do have that power to issue the permits. Mm -hmm. And we do have a lot of farmers that are contacting them. They're also contacting their county supervisors. It's my understanding that Emmett County, which is a little um, west of you, Clear Lake, but um, that they have said, if we don't have 90% easement agreement from the farmers in our county, we will not allow it. And that's the sort of backbone we're looking for from county supervisors. Dr. Hocrafer, what do you, who are you approaching? How, how are you working to ensure this, uh, they don't try to use eminent domain and push their way on your property? Well, one of, one of the things that they suggested right away in it, it, the summit, I'll go back to the summit meeting. The summit meeting, there was a, uh, a representative for the IUB and the OIG both at this meeting, right? And so one of the representatives for all, uh, the IUB essentially was talking about procedural things. The utilities so, board. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. The IUB, Iowa Utilities Board, and the OIG would be the Office of Inspector General, which is the Attorney General's Office for the state. Um, they suggested that if you have comment, that you can comment on the IUB's website. And so there's a process procedure that you can go through. And once you subject yourself to uh, putting a comment on their board, it goes into official records and they take it for consideration. At that point, you also receive all of the comments that, uh, that have been posted at that point moving forward. So if you look at from the standpoint of just looking at my email uh, box on a daily basis, uh, there are the majority, vast majority, and I'm not gonna put numbers to it because I don't know exact numbers, but there is a vast, vast, vast majority of comment that have been negative and been have, have been, there is no way in God's green earth that this should be happening because wow. the, the people who are most affected by this are rejecting this the hardest. Um, so one of the things that I've done, obviously, have, have rendered comments on, on the IUB board, but also uh, there's been multiple politicians that uh, I've contacted and had several conversations with 
I've contacted the governor's office, which has been uh, falling on deaf ears. Uh, they will not comment. They will not act. They will not respond. Uh, phone calls or emails. Um, Senator Chuck Grassley, for instance, uh, he has been emailed multiple times and uh, he has responded with form letters because um, there are other people that have that have written to him that I that I know that have gotten the exact same letter back. So he is doing a copy paste, click and send. Um, and the governor isn't even responding. And so the local grassroots people, uh, I have been influential in the county board of supervisors for the county that I'm in, uh, helping them get educated on the fact of, uh, they brought questions and objections about the use of eminent domain and the fact that the, the pipeline is hazardous and how it's gonna affect the populace of the county. Um, so I don't actually live in the county where my farm is, but I practice in the county, but there is going to be an influence in this county as well. So I've, I've influenced two boards, um, uh, county boards, and also talked to the, to the local politicians. Some of them have been receptive. Some of them have been politicians and used political speech and, and said, oh, yes, this is an important, pro uh, important uh, topic for people, and then uh, did nothing in response yeah. to that. So the, the problem, I would say, is, it, it, you know, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to figure this out. All you have to do is look and follow the money. And if you follow the money and see the political influence, you can kind of see where there could be a problem. And not to point any fingers or anything like that, but all you got to do is Google it. Just Google it. And you can track all of the networking and all of the ties to each one of the people, for instance, on the IUB, the, the, the current um, heads of the state, and every one of the players that are involved. Um, for the average person, you look at it and go, how is this even relatively possible that my elected officials, some of them who I voted for, I'll be honest with you, that they are ignoring this to a degree of how could you ignore it if it wasn't just, you know, it's just the farmers, right? Yeah. So uh, if it's just a farmer, well, they don't have a voice. They're no big deal. I mean, even even some of the the, the people that are affected by this, they're not farmers. I am not primarily a farmer. I yeah. grew up a farm kid. I'll always be a farm kid. That is what my blood is. But when it comes to what do I put on my resume? Healthcare, farm kid. And uh, I'll, I'll never lose them. Yeah. But th there are farmers that their houses are going to be taken from. Not just their farm, their way of life, their homes, everything is going to be taken from them because of the use of eminent domain. And so when it, when it comes to this and you argue with your local officials, if it doesn't affect them, they're not as motivated, for yeah. lack of better terms, because if there's nothing to gain, there's nothing to lose. Tammy, so, let's talk about, let me get to Tammy real quick, doctor. Tammy, mm -hmm. let's talk about the organization uh, here that you, you've been coordinating as far as uh, how, you know, helping people inform what this is about, but also how they can resist. I want to talk about some some effective stuff. I know you had Tom, Tom DeWeese over there. Uh, you know, he's an expert on this stuff. I saw his speech and whatnot. I want to get into some of that uh, as far as some of those tactics. Have, have we begun implementing some of those? And what are some of the organization that the JBS is helping coordinate there on the ground? What Dr. Hocraper was talking about, about in, impacting the county supervisors of two counties, that is major significant because they have the power to stop this. Um, we are out, Birchers are out educating um, their fellow citizens that this is all based on a lie. There's no such thing as man-made climate change. 
we need CO2. So we're doing that, educating, we're educating the United Nations is behind it. We are asking them to not only contact their county supervisor, we've got the language that we can spoon feed them to stop this. We're also asking people to contact their sheriff because what we are needing is to have the sheriff understand his duty to protect us from these people. Um, and so we're educating them with constitutional sheriff training, both of the community and the sheriff and his staff. We are also encouraging farmers do not sign acknowledgement. Uh, Dr. Hochrafer referenced that. You did mm -hmm. sign it. And within five minutes, you had a call wow. from them. Do not sign. Don't even sign that you acknowledged that you received that letter. Just send it back. Do not sign the easements. Um, I am in a lot of communication with farmers just across the state. They were at the Iowa Utility Board on Monday, and they were even told, if you sign the easements, we can't help you. So don't sign the easements, and they must call their state legislator, like Dr. Hochrafer referenced. You've got to start the Iowa, and it's really the Iowa state legislature the, 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 and their state senator and the rep that they need to uh, help them understand we are we are going to stop this. You are not taking our land away. Um, another thing too, this is not a farmer issue. This is, um, we are a farm state as is Nebraska, South Dakota, you know, many of them are farm economies. Uh, the, the small town retailer, the gas station, the seed salesman, they're all going down if this happens. And, that, and that's what we're also encouraging people to do. This is going to have significant ripple effects should this be allowed to happen. Well, well not um, only that, I, I would like to add that, you know, being Agenda 2030, if anyone who looks through their documents, they've been out there yeah. for such a long time. This is just <laughs> one, one uh, scheme, I would imagine, it, that are part of so many that are going to trample on private property rights and obviously ultimately individual individual freedom. Uh, Dr. Hochrafer, um, did you know about Agenda 2030 before this, about the Great Reset or what this was about, or did this kind of help you begin understanding that? Or do you even believe that's what this is? Well, the way I look at politics is that uh, I grew up in a divided household. Um, so there was a, a lot of both sides of the aisle for me. Um, one thing that really um, kind of put it in perspective for me when I was in college, and I'll never forget this. My uncle, who was also in healthcare, he said, you will vote Republican for the rest of your life once you get your license. And that did not mean anything at me, to me at the time because I grew up in a divided household. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you're a student, you tend to have a little bit more of a liberal uh, ideal because they're paying you to go to school. And that's how I went to school. I have student loans like everybody else does. Um, but that's what allowed me to go to school. He said, you will start to vote Republican when you start paying taxes. Um, it couldn't have been more truer. And so uh, when I look at things, I look at the fact that uh, in politics, people are fallible and they're quite fallible and all you have to do is follow money. And when you look at a whole scheme of things, um, I'm not a climate person. I don't believe in climate change. Um, my first thought is, uh, God's going to do what God's going to do, and it's part of the process. And there's an ebb and flow, regardless of what the arrogance of the human culture seems to think that they can do. Um, climate change is not something that I believe in whatsoever. I believe in being responsible and being um, 
tolerant to taking care of your environment. But when it comes to um, does one spray can cause greenhouse gases to cause an ozone hole? No, I don't believe that for a second. And the, the, the thing is, is that when you look at the opportunity to take a step back and look at the bigger picture of this, I was aware of things like this that were going on. Um, I wasn't necessarily in the midst of it because I have a full life the way it is. And uh, when I go home at night, I go to bed. I, I can't read a lot of things at night. I'm pretty tired by the end of the day. But there's a lot of things that I look at and go, it's plausible. It's plausible. <laughs> why, why isn't it plausible? Anything's possible, you know? Yeah. And so, um, especially when you're looking at the political uh, environment, there's so many things that uh, you can't agree with. Like, you just can't agree with it. And there has to be explanation. There yeah. has to be an explanation for it. And you just have to look at it from an objective standpoint. And if you look at facts instead of opinion, then you think a little bit outside of the realm of what the average person would. Yeah. So you're waking up to something that something's out, something else is happening besides, you know, what's, what's on the surface. And you're, sure, you're kind absolutely. of saying, sure. Yeah. Yeah. There could be a, a grand scheme. How are others reacting to this, Tammy? Are, are, are others waking up too to this reality or starting to uh, sniff the air? Yes, I, I think they are. And um, Paul, I wish I had the latest new American magazine. I was telling the doctor about the other day war on uh, farmers and uh, and thank you and food. Um, they are they're out of. I did two speeches this week already and they were gone. But um, I will say this: Dr. Hocrapper referred to this the, um, that you know we've got. I don't know if this is showing or not. I don't know how to do this. But anyway, I see it. Unstoppable, unstoppable global warming. Yes, by by a Dr. Singer, and he goes. I'm using that in my presentations. He goes through just the cycles, like Dr. referenced, of warming and cooling mm. um, throughout history, as has as far as was documented. Yeah. And we're in a warming, and probably until about 2350, and that's a good thing for humanity because that's when we can prosper and food is plentiful in that. So I'd imagine um, that'd be good for farmers up north as well especially we get a longer <laughs> yes. climate. I'm up here in Wisconsin. Before that, we lived in ag country in Montana. And uh, mm -hmm. we know for a fact, I mean, we know that it is warming. Now, to, to your point, Dr. Stephen Coonan, who worked for the under the Obama administration, he wrote a book called Unsettled. I forget the subtitle, which essentially the point was that he, of course, he wasn't denying that the climate was warming. But what he was saying is that the data does not support this idea that it's all this it's human cause nor that it will uh, that it's the crisis that some are saying it is and of course uh it's under that that uh pretension that they're they're basically up up you know overhauling uh just tearing up of the economy and of course driving so many more to poverty mm -hmm. and and, yeah. and whatnot um, so what do people do, uh, Tammy? I know we've kind of gone through some of that, but let's, you know, we always try to wrap this stuff up and, and try to, uh, for, actually, before we get into that, I, I, let me ask you guys' opinion is, you know, you've kind of already said it, but is this thing going to go through? I mean, or, or Iowa's going to make sure uh, one way or another, it's, it's not going through. I'll, I'll start with Dr. Hochreifer and then we'll go and we'll finish up with Tammy. I say that that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Or um, in this case, how many billions of dollars of 45Q tax credit dollars uh, question? Um, I would say if 
the people of the state prevail, it will not happen. But it just depends on the power of the dollar and it depends on the power of the political climate. And that's what we're, the people are fighting against. And um, the more I see people are getting educated on it, the more they're rejecting the ideal. And the more they're rejecting the idea that this thing needs to happen because um, from the standpoint of carbon capture, I don't believe it for a second. And the fact that uh, photosynthesis requires carbon to produce corn. So this has nothing to do with the fact of environmental stewardship. It has to do with the fact of money. And when more people understand that, then I think more people are going to stand up and say no. And the farmers can't do it alone. Like this is something that the farmers have a small voice. They're powerful, but the small amount of people that are affected by this, the more people that are educated by it. I think if you know your tax dollars are going to fund this, then you have a different opinion than, oh, this isn't going to affect me. It's not in my backyard. It's in everybody's backyard. And that's the thing is someone has applied for 45Q tax credits, which every single one of us that pays taxes is going to have to be responsible for paying these. Guys. Yeah. And the more people that know that, I think that's a great talking point that I've used is that um, if enough people realize that, then yeah, they're going to stop it. But uh, um, the sleepless nights and the worry about my about my heritage and the worry about my neighbor's heritage and the fact that uh, if this does go through, it's really going to cause a lot, a lot of damage to a lot of people. Um, I have taken multiple trainings on the fact of dealing with uh, the farmers and the farmers uh, issues that they've had. And uh, one thing that uh, people aren't talking about yet, but they start, they will, they will talk about it because they'll be forced to is that farmers are one of the highest suicide rate um, occupations in the country. It's one of the, not to display the service people by any stretch of the imagination, but your average, average day civilian, um, there is a real problem with, yeah. with that. And yeah, especially absolutely. with this type of crisis. Um, I lived through the 80s farm crisis. Yeah. The yeah. suicide rate then was very high. And mm -hmm. in fact, the state of Iowa University Extension has a service in order to have farmers call in that if they think they're suicidal, they will call in there to try to help prevent them, which yeah. the governor set aside money for, ironically. Um, but And you're if, seeing this already happening, right? Farmers are, I mean, landowners and farmers are clearly really well, stressing this out. They're about to lose their livelihoods. I know what I've said, and uh, I won't be quote to saying it again. But, <laughs> right. uh, you know, Tammy and I have said it. But uh, if, <laughs> if this passes, there's going to be a loss of yeah. I, I have no question there'll be a loss of life unjustly and, and it, there's no reason for it yeah uh, besides greed and so if the people know that you know i still don't know i yeah. my gut tells me one thing and then i pray a lot and uh you know that tells me something else so we'll see yeah that's probably that, best that's my answer God, huh? we'll, yeah we'll see we'll see tammy you know? tammy let's go to you now uh, doctor mentioned sleepless nights now this is way bigger as you know than, than Iowa, and, it, and it's bigger than greed. Can you, uh, what, what, what's your take on what's going to happen in Iowa? What does this mean for everyone else who might be thinking, well, I'm not in Iowa or Nebraska or South Dakota or some of these other states and thinking they could sleep, uh, sleep light? What, what do you have to say to, that, to all that? Well, first and foremost, if 
if this and I believe, Doctor, this carbon capture will be stopped because of what the Iowa farmers backbone is like. I, I do believe that people will rally and they will stop it. Um, but here's the deal. This is, as you know, Paul, too, uh, a globalist attempt to take over our private property, to destroy the wealth and the constitution and everything that America offers to the world. And our mission statement is less government, more responsibility, and with God's help, a better world. And so what you alluded to, uh, prayer is absolutely the foundation of the success of this battle. And we must go to the creator of the carbon dioxide <laughs> and the creator of our universe and ask him to, to do a miraculous move here. But we also must, you know, David had to pick up the stones, right, to, to fling at Goliath. We need to be involved and be the boots on the ground to defend and educate um, educate um, our fellow man. Because if they do not succeed here, they will continue any way they can. The war on farmers clearly covered the whole globe of how these globalists are going through every other country to try to destroy the, the farm production, the starvation. They have a depopulation goal of what, half a billion people and there's what, seven plus billion. Nobody wants to believe that except now they are hearing Bill Gates and those talk about that. So what they're doing now in Indiana, they're going after nitrogen because they don't want farmers to be able to fertilize their plant, their, their crops. Yeah. So there's always going to be a scheme. So we must stop this. And then we cannot go home and go, phew, we won that one. We're going to go back to our lives. We've got to stay engaged and get our kids to be engaged. Too, yeah. So Tammy, give us your best last pitch. How do we get involved? Someone's watching this, you know, they're either in Iowa, they're in Wisconsin please, or wherever. What do they got to do? Just go to jbs.org and you can key in your zip code and you'll find a field coordinator. We've got incredible field coordinators across the United States, contact them, call them, email them, say, how can I help defend our great country? Uh, what can I do? Because everything matters. And if there's ever a time where they needed just solid American boots on the ground, it's now. Yeah. And, you know, you, and it doesn't mean that you have to give every moment of your time. We have millions of Americans involved. You've got 10 minutes a week. We've got to win. We've yeah. got our country reclaimed. Thank you so Be much, hopeful. Tammy. Thank you so You're much, welcome. Tammy. Thank you, Dr. Cole Crafer. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I hear your phone ringing back there. You probably need to get back to work. <laughs> oh yeah, it, there's somebody. Thank you so much, and we wish you we wish you the best. And of course, we'll be working and 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 uh, working with you guys and, and praying for you. And hopefully, we can uh, we could come out of this victorious. Have a have a good one, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Doctor. Wonderful having you on. Yes, it was Absolutely. my pleasure. Crazy stuff, folks. That's for sure. Unfortunately, it's real. Do not sleep on this just because you're not in the path of this pipeline. This is bigger than that. This is about a worldwide agenda that if it's not stopped, will affect everyone. There are many ways it can be implemented, and there's a good chance it's already infected your community in some way. So please visit our Agenda 2030 action page to learn more about this insidious globalist plan that threatens all our liberties. And then contact the local JBS coordinator, like Tammy said, to learn more about joining, or if you're already a JBS member, getting plugged in in your local chapter so you can help create understanding and organize against Agenda 2030 in your community. 
Links are in the description below. And in the meantime, always remember, whatever the societal ailment, freedom is the cure.